0: Kia ora tātou, No mai, harimai. Wade Manson here from Sport Gisborne Tairafti, and you're listening to our podcast, The Sideline Yak. Kia ora koutou, and welcome to a new segment of The Sideline Yak, Chronicles of a Coach. We wanted to test something a little bit different this time. We were curious to know what would happen if we got three coaches in a room and talked sport. Where would it take us and what would be discussed? What's the great quote we learnt this year about the
1: girls? That was a big one for me. Girls play well when they feel good. Boys play well to feel good. Is that right? I think you've butchered that. Thank you. Let's rephrase that.
0: (laughs) I was fortunate enough to sit down with Keenan Rudu Poharama, Adrian Sparks and Adam Tapsell, three seasoned coaches who volunteer across all areas of basketball in coaching, officiating, governance and playing. These three guys know their craft, from time with the Rising Suns, coaching age group levels, officiating and developing players right here in our own backyard. Our all covers team culture, understanding your athlete, how we engage youth and reflecting on lessons learned all tied together with some great banter. I may be biased, but this was special. This was another honest and real discussion about what coaches are doing on the ground at a grassroots level right here in Tairawhiti. My hope is that others get to listen to this. We share it and have these types of conversations to help build a community of best practice. It's a journey Fano. We don't expect to get everything right, but if we are learning and adapting, then great things will happen. Whaya te mā tauranga hei ōranga mō koto. Seek after learning for the Sake of your well being. Basically, if you follow the path of learning, the world will be your oyster. We will look to make Chronicles of a Coach a regular episode every three months. As always, please feel free to rate or review our show. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. In the meantime, please enjoy this episode with Keenan, Sparksy, and Adam. Kia ora. No my harimai sideline yak welcome boys to the show first of all i just want a big shout out to rangai studios for letting us record here today we've got three of our coaches from basketball joining us we're doing something a little bit different but we've been lucky enough to be able to use this uh today the podcast studio at rangai massive shout out to shannon and the team thank you very much for letting us test this out and see how we go we are recording video as well, but we're not too sure what that's going to look like, so that may never see the light of day after today. But we'll see what happens. All right, boys. So thank you again for taking the time to come and have a chat with us. If I could just go around, starting off with you, Keen. Mm. Just a little intro about yourself and who you are.
2: te no tia So yeah, we a couple of hits and. Our basketball community, one uh, sitting on the um, GBA committee um, alongside Sparksy here, also coaching um, in our GBA space with our rep teams, and then another one helping out with uh, Gizzy Boys, so um, coaching in that space too. Yeah, Ka pai, thank you Keenan. Sparksy, over to you. Uh, kia ora, core
1: Adrian Sparks, tuckle ingewa, born and bred in Gizzy. Love the place, never really moved, still in love with it. Here to stay, hopefully. GBA committee member, coaching GBA basketball for a number of years now as the kids are growing up. Uh, helping Keynes with Boys High, running leagues and stuff with GBA primary
3: school. Helping a few coaches out, so it's great. Nice. I thank you, Sparksy. Adam. Yeah, thanks, Wade. Uh, Kilda Koto, koutou. Uh, Kouadam laho. Uh, no ngā iwi katoa te tai uh Also, ahiori uh, no Tiarawa, ngati ngati me mai wahine. Uh, yeah, just in their basketball space, kind of come to it fairly late. I think I've been coaching for GBA probably about seven years now, across a whole different broad spectrum of age groups. I think that's pretty much me.
0: Thank you, Adam. Right, I'm going to start us off. Origin story. I love an origin story. Can you guys share with us what sport looked like for you growing up? Who wants to kick off? Sparksy, where are you going at? Um, for me, not much.
1: I was a bit of soccer at uh, school and stuff. I remember working at Roydon's Veggie Market where the uh, coffee shop is now on my Saturdays. So I probably missed out on a lot of Saturday sport, enjoyed the soccer. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I, um, a friend introduced me to basketball and the loves never ended. I remember one time going down to the YMCA for club ball and um, I'd actually missed the game and I remember how devastated I felt that I missed out on a game of basketball. So it's pretty funny that I fell in love with a game that I'm not very
0: good at. The loves never stopped. What was the feeling? You now you felt like you missed out on something, Like what? why oh. that feeling? Well, it's just so much. It was such
1: fun, the challenge, the skill level, the camaraderie. All those combinations, you know, and the the sense of belonging and all that sort of stuff
0: was huge. How old would you have been back uh, then?
1: I'm going to say about 20. Yep. So I'd missed that high school era, you know, but, and fell into it a bit later, but just the ability to, and it was all, it's 100%, you know, like you're not there only giving 20% basketball, you're 100 miles an hour as fast as you can, as strong as you can, you know, it's all on. And I enjoyed that heaps. Cool.
3: Yeah. Adam, what's yeah.
0: your origin story look like?
3: Yeah, great question, Wade. Oh, know thinking back, I always looked at sports as being uh, something that was fun, you know. My first, probably earliest memories, rugby. It was rugby, rugby, rugby as a kid growing up. There wasn't a whole lot of options, but I still loved it, you know. Uh, it was, growing up was pretty challenging. Came from a single-parent home, four kids, so, you know, get, trying to get mum to to... You know, be there to to get me to sports and stuff was a little bit challenging. So, you know, it was one of those things you had to kind of work through. Never never kind of lost that love for sports, though. And like I was saying, it was always rugby. I can remember Saturday mornings, you know, you loved it. You're out there in bare feet, just covered in mud, you know, and ice creams afterwards. Sometimes it would be a a neighbour that would get us, get me to the games. His mum was busy with kids and that. And she'd get there when she could, which was awesome. So yeah, those are probably my earliest earliest memories. Right up through high school, it was rugby and cricket in summer. That's kind of the two sports that we played. Kind of going all over the place here, but I remember, you know, after school's weekends, you're just out in the backyard all day, all night. Just rugby, summer t- or oh, winter time. Cricket summertime, just playing with the neighbours. and It's a bit of a shame. It kind of seems like we've lost that a little bit these days. And you kind of think, oh, how can we get that back? But, you know, maybe that's just how it was back then because didn't have bugger all else to do. Similar to Sparksy, I I was kind of late coming into the basketball space. I think sixth form is when I really kind of started to get get interested in it. And, yeah, sixth, seventh form at Boys High. I just fell in love with the game for a number of reasons, you know, kind of just had that affinity for the game, kinda came naturally and I just love that whole kind of team concept where you got to have that express yourself individually, eh guys. But within a team dynamic really kind of just appealed to me. So those kind of like like I was saying that that's when I think about that's where my origins of sports are. Uh you grow that love as a kid, still love it. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks mate. Cheers for that. Keenan.
2: Um, earliest memories of me playing sports, um, just like Adam, rugby, fam, family influence and in that. My, my father was a big rugby player, so naturally played that. My parents also um, squash players growing up, so I was able to tag along with that and try, try that out. When I, around intermediate age, I was lucky enough to have a flurry of sports introduced to me, so I got to try a lot of things and I kind of figured out what I like to play. That's when basketball uh, got introduced into my life. Wasn't really good at it at the time, didn't get much time on the court, but, um, you know, I I loved it, so I stuck at at it. Volleyball, started playing that around that time. Um, Table tennis was huge then, but I remember when I was around that age, um, the suns were big around then. the rising suns, and uh, my nan was a huge part of attending all those games. She worked at Turanga Health for the time, so... I remember going to all those Rising Suns games, it being packed out YMCA and just enjoying that atmosphere. And that's really where I think the love for basketball started for me. Moving into high school, I think I nailed down on the sports I liked. I was fortunate enough to have some key influences in that space and I've nailed down on the basketball and the volleyball. Yeah, carried it on till today.
0: When we look at the, the influences, because it's something that uh, sort of all three of you guys have said around like, so Sparksy, you started late, Adam, you said it in sixth form, and then Keenan, when you talked about you sort of now down on and like looking at basketball a lot more, yep. who were those influences and, and, and what was it about them that made you sort of get into the game a lot more? Like when you talk about the love of the game and you've explained some of the reasons for that, who were the people that got you to that point?
3: I'll jump in there, bro, since I've written down some notes. Yeah, thinking, so this is just going back to sixth form. Kind of really new to basketball. Actually went away to my first ever tournament with Gizzy Boys. Played with the Pyre brothers. So there's Ambrose and Jamal. And we're a pretty, pretty talented team. There's a few other boys went on to, you know, play for the Rising Suns and that. But just by default, we had the Pyre brothers their Dad Eugene. He he came he came along and coached us for that tournament. And I can remember like every game, you know, right from the from the first game and you know you know what teenagers are like, broody, grumpy, you always feel like you're playing terribly and you'd be coming off the court, you know, timeout or end of a quarter and you're coming off and I just remember Eugene the first time and he's you are he, he expecting to get bollocks, you know, get yelled at, pick it up, play harder, and he's just so positive. Just smiling and just really came at us in a very encouraging way, and you it was kind of really standoffish at first. You're like, "Hey, what's this guy on?" But you kind of really just bought into the positivity of it, and that really I think that really helped me to really fall in love with the game was just just his approach to it. Um, was able to to keep us as a team really really positively focused and yeah through the good and bad. Um, so he's, he's probably one of those earlier influences for me. Going on from there, got, got a lot more serious in my seventh form. And we had Clive Kelly. He was the art teacher at Boys High, but he, he, he was just, he was Mr. Basketball back then. So had Clive Kelly and Seamus Tehata. Um He'd been to church college and come back. Uh, he's in a wheelchair, but he, he kind of picked up. And so together they, they had those two um, kind of coaching us. And it was just, yeah, fantastic to be around that. I I really learnt to understand uh, what intensity looked like. But it was taking that step from being about fun to actually, hey, I I actually really want to have a good crack at this and learning how to play with intensity and effort. I can remember, you know, days of trainings where Seamus would have us just up against the wall doing those wall sits you know, we'd do that for ages and it was all about just seeing how long you could hang in there. So, you know, it's just that kind of mindset, never give up. That's what I kind of learnt from those early days. Uh, moving forward, because I kind of went away from playing organised ball there for a while, as you do, you know. Um, but coming back home, and I, I think I was lucky once I started kind of putting my hand up for coaching here in Gizzi uh, to see, you know, we had Tama, Dwayne Tama Tia. Uh, just his knowledge of the game and how to kind of run a game, uh, being there, sitting on the sidelines next to him, learn a lot. And then our man, Sparksy, just just watching him, kind of just, you know, his knowledge, his, his ability to get a team kind of playing hard, awesome to watch. So for me, those are probably my key influences for now.
0: Just something I want to, like, touch on uh, with your corridor, Adam, around having that fun in the game and then that intensity comes into it. Do we lose the fun or is the fun still there based on the challenges that you have with that intensity?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, eh? And and I think that we we definitely get muddled up with that. And I guess in the end, you can only kind of look back on your own personal experiences. I guess for me, I'm, I'm quite very competitive by nature. And so for me, I, and I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but I've always equated Having fun was competing really hard. That's for me, that's I'm, ha- I'm having a blast. It's interesting though that fun and competitiveness say, eh? and, and maybe it's an age thing as well. You know, you kind of at that 17, 18 years old. I think I was ready for it. I look back at, at rugby as a pri- at primary school. Um, went to Kaiti School back in the day. It, that's it, rugby was everything. Um, and at the time that I was there, we'd had the wicker ball, which is still, you know, it's like the Ramfilly Shield of Gisborne Rugby Primary School. Um, and Kaiti School had ha- held the tro the wicker ball, for like seven, eight years, you know. And I can still remember there was a lot of pressure that went with that as a kid. And it was just unfortunate. Our last game of rugby, uh, we played our foe from just down the road. Why kitty kitty school, you know? We used to go at it. It was awesome, and they beat us in our in my last game at, at primary school. I still got guys that come up and talk about that game. It's like crack up, but it was uh, we lost. And I can remember we uh, coming off the field and we were all crying. And this was as a 10, 11 year old. That's the kind of pressure that it, we'd been put under, training every day. I I I'd probably be honest and, and say I kind of fell out of love with rugby. And that's probably a big part of that. Was was around that, and so maybe moving into basketball, you know, it was something different. Like I kind of mentioned, our age, uh, was probably a big part of it, and I was ready for that that step into competitiveness. So it's a bit of a shame with the rugby, I think. I think you're tapping on something
1: interesting there, Wade. Eh, with that fun factor, and are the younger generation are we so intent on just having fun? Because there's fun in the effort and there's fun in the challenge. I asked one young guy, you know, would you would you rather beat a team by 60 points and just smoke them and just make it easy? Or would you like to win by one point at the buzzer, you know, close toe to toe? And he said, oh, definitely the one point. And I said, what about if you lost by one point? And he just went, oh, you know, because that one point win is the toe-to-toe stuff that could go either way. And that's the the challenge, the fun, eh? the intensity. And then you move that to your training. You know, Do you just train and is it fun? Or you know, do you put effort in to your training? And there's fun in there
0: too, isn't there? But how do we bring that out, I suppose? Yeah, that's always the challenge. Eh? It's the balance between knowing your athlete as well and what they perceive as fun and what they perceive as a challenge or what they understand as a challenge and then being able to marry that up. Yeah, it's a challenge for us as coaches. Like, how do we put it all together so that it's ticking off all those boxes for those kids that come and play? And and I think yeah, like definitely like when you mentioned Adam around the that younger age group where the focus is basically on winning because there's like that that pressure and everything, and that's when yeah a lot of kids just go nah, I can't handle this. Sparks, you just keen to hear around your influencer to get into like when you're a twenty year old coming into basketball
1: yep i suppose for me my earliest memories were i think i did get some court time for the rising suns i was pretty much the orange bag man you know but i'd go to trainings and there was no put downs from the crew at all you know and i was just a little white fellow who couldn't jump you know but there was there was no hassles they involved me um you know frank and the crew were always encouraging back in tummer's day as well I'd get my 30 seconds on the court when they were up by 30. Yeah. But for me, I loved it and it was great. I loved the intensity and all that sort of stuff and I think that was probably when the bug
0: really stuck. Huh? Was there anyone in particular that stood out for you like that helped you get there? Well, I suppose
1: a big shout out to Anton Eddie,
0: you know, he was the one who sort of
1: got me involved at the start, you know, even when I didn't show any great signs of promise, you know, he was just a bro and brought me along and kept me coming so for me it was the general everyone was just sort of all having a good time and we all had a good time
2: together. just When I started high school I was fortunate enough at a time to have coaches that have heavily impacted our basketball community and one being Frank Russell so I started boys high and he was there and oh he comes with a lot of passion a lot of enthusiasm you know um, everyone knows all the sayings he does and He's a, he's a local legend. And after uh, I was lucky to be coached by him, um, Tama moved in. So I was fortunate enough to have Tama as well. And around the same time, Ray. Ray brought, what I thought, a good community with the to Hoops Club. So a lot of those players I still play with today are good friends with still to this day. So that community that Ray created there, um, uh, it still goes hard right now. But yeah, like starting high school, that's when I really knuckle down into basketball what I've already mentioned like watching the Suns I could see a pathway you know that's those games you watch like that's where you wanted to be that's that that's what you were aiming for as a, as a young as a young player I developed well under those coaches and towards the end of high school that second division Sun stuff was coming to an end and um, I remember yeah I, I got to play coached by Tama in the in those some of those Suns games and Yeah, that was good. So, those three coaches and Sparksy too. Sparksy was part of all that, and that just adds to that community again. Like we still we still go hard today,
0: coaching together now, playing together still. So,
2: yeah, I've had some good influences in that time.
0: Nice. I want to throw a question out around culture, team culture, and Keenan. You've talked around like community as well. As coaches, how do we create a good team culture? Because as we just mentioned before, around that fun challenging intensity trying to balance all that as coaches like how do we create that culture to be able to ask those questions around what level of intensity we can get to how we can still make it fun and stuff like that like how do you build a culture within your team
2: yeah I think a uh, few points um getting to know your players getting to know who they are I think a lot of it focus off the court as well like so getting to know your uh, your players if Um, families you know the circumstances stuff like that um creating positive training environments like you know they feel all right to make mistakes and they can learn from that um yeah
1: and those those are big answers and they're they're good answers too keenan because i I really struggle in that area but like you say just to make a training where you can make mistakes because that's part of learning not being shot down for it is huge so yeah
3: good points yeah, team culture is a huge thing, eh? And, and I think we'll all be in the same boat. When when you have a team that comes together, it's a lot of planning's got to go into it initially. Mm. And I know we all do that. And, and for me, for all of us, I think, I mean, the, the goal is you want a, a team that comes together to be a team. And so it's trying to create that environment right from the get-go. Uh, so for me, I, I like to start off with off-court stuff. It's, it's just about us sitting down as a team, try and push across the idea that, hey, in this setting we're all equal, I might be the coach, but, I, you know, your guys' opinions and your input's really important to how we might function as a team. Uh, and try and just really get that, that buy-in from, the, from whoever they might be, a team of boys, team of girls. And the power of questions I find is, is really, really helpful. You know, you just throw out the question, you know, what, are they, what do we want as a team? What does that look like? Um, and probably recently, in the last couple of years, I've really started to, to talk about, you know, what's our values as a team? What are we going to value? And, and, and how might we go about kind of showing that, that value for us? So, for example, last couple of years we've come up with about three values – and I've tried to kind of just implement them, and, and then get the teams to, to translate what those values might mean for them. So, for example, aiki. Uh, so, so last year, this is a bunch of under thirteen boys, but you know they really bought into this stuff. We came up with three values. I'll call them values. We kind of called them a team mantra as well. And there was ki te uh kaarohaki atato. And Kiangako Mahaki, and because a lot of the boys came from a kura Kopapa setting, they they really were able to kind of grasp onto those as concepts, and got them to translate them for us as a team. Um, I had my ideas about what they might look like, but uh, you know, for the team as a whole, for them to hear what they might mean for them. And for those of us that, that may not quite understand, it was talking about, you know, love for the game, love for each other, and be humble at all times. And so, you know, we talked about that stuff and got the boys to say, OK, what does love for the game mean? What does that look like? And, and they, they, it was awesome. They'd start talking about things like, oh, yeah, is it, you know, who's involved in the game? And they'd talk about, oh, you've got score benches, got your referees, got the supporters, both teams. OK, if we love the game, how are we treating those people? and it really got them thinking about that stuff. And I'll always come back to this, you know, this was one of the tournaments we went to at the end of last year. Opposition fans coming up to these boys and saying, love the way you guys play, love the way you treat the opposition. My son, you he got knocked over, he was hurt. You guys went and picked him up, looked after him, made sure he was OK. And, you know, win or lose, not, I mean, yeah, you want to win, but it was that stuff that was, you know, I was most proud about with our boys, it's that kind of thing. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that, that's really cool to see. I think that's something that's really important is to be able to take that time, and I know it's hard, like we did a voice of the coach survey and one of the challenges, one of the main challenges in there is time, like for coaches, and I know that's like everyone's got full-time jobs and stuff like that, and we turn up and we go and play the game or we coach the game, but it's just affording that time beforehand off the court or off the field or whatever to, to spend with the athletes to be able to understand what they are after, I think that's hugely important. And then you can yeah, identify what they want, what values they have, and then package it all into a team culture, I think. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, time's big. If we come back to Adam's first value, the karoha Haki tekimu, if you love the game and, and love where you are, like, you'll enjoy that time that you're sacrificing to be with your team. If you're not loving where
0: you are, that time you won't enjoy that time as much. So, because how do you guys do it? I'd be interested to hear. And like, a- as a coach, and as like, you know, you work like spikes. You got your own business, um, Adam. You're working, Kenan, and you're working. Like, how do you? And I know you're probably going to probably say the love of the game, but like, how do you? How do you do it? How do you manage it? You survive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What can you say? I mean You not- love you
2: love the game, but you're you're passionate about providing opportunities for our Arangatahi. I think it's more than just the game itself, giving those experiences, like all the other impacts that you have on on these kids. Yeah.
0: I think that's important. There was an important piece you said in there around like it's um it's more than the game. So I think, yeah, I I, I understand like it is tough. Um, for coaches out there, and it is tricky, but if you're looking at the bigger picture, rather than just the game, um, I think that's where the important, the important things comes out. a great saying. What's your saying, Sparksy? Which
3: one, eh, Wary? Which one?
1: Kids in sport stay out of court? No, you're uh, a <laughs> better, better people one. Oh, well, yeah. Our GBA mantra is well, that I hang on to, no one else accepts <laughs> it, but Making better people, not just better ballers. So yes, you know we want to attune their physical attributes to a game of basketball and stuff, and bouncing a ball around the court. But it's so much more than that. You know, it's it's like Adam said, awareness of everyone around you who's brought you to this place, journey, applying yourself, all those golden rules.
2: Like when we're sitting down at the gym on a Friday night, running secondary school basketball, you know. Like, what else would those people be doing on a Friday night? You know, they could be anywhere else, but they're in the gym playing ball, like, just giving them, I guess, an opportunity
0: to do good. A positive there. Yeah. Something that we talked about before when we, we looked at our origin stories around that engaging, and, like, Adam, you touched on it There's different times back in the day when we were kids. It was like, go outside, see you later at dinner time type thing, like go and find something to do. And like, and it's a different world now, like it is, like there's technology and there's all that sort of stuff that's influencing kids these days. How do we engage kids today?
1: Well, I just wanted to bring, bring back to the point about culture and hopefully tie it in, but we, we struggled a lot when we had teams where there was not enough players, so the team was already set, so there was no one banging on the door. And so people went, oh, you have to have me. And we found that the culture from that was rather, toxic's probably too strong a word, but very self-orientated rather than team-orientated. I think we're finding a lot more positivity now when people realise, oh, you know, there's someone else at the door if I wanna throw a hissy fit. So that ties back into the question that you made that Adam's now gonna answer. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah i guess if if there's it's more shot, people man. fighting for a spot in the team it should make you work harder right get you off that technology and go out instead of playing
0: basketball in the game go out and play basketball on the hoop but the next one is like how, how do you get them off that technology to come and play basketball what are we doing in basketball to make? or well, what are we doing in sport? I suppose that's a general question yes. that goes out to everybody yes. um, out there in, in sportland within Taiohae. Like, what what are we doing? Like, in terms of how do we get them to that point where they're trying to get into the team and stuff like that?
1: I think we've talked about getting the bug. You know, like there's a love for sport, isn't it? You know, where were you applying yourself? You know, you're, and basketball's pretty good because you shoot and you either make or you miss and it's defined, you know. And sport is probably all like that in some way. So that's the reality, whereas in a game, hey, I can just reboot and we're off again. There's a love in our natural bodies to be able to compete, isn't there? We're, we we love that. We're drawn to it. I mean, people are taking the easy way when they sit in front of their screens and can just push reset and off they go again. So we're trying to promote that, aren't we? to give them as many opportunities through all sports to have that moment.
3: I'll I'll just pick up on that that word opportunity, Sparks. I think that's a, a really big one in the basketball space. And I think we're on the cusp of something great here in Tairawhiti. So if we're talking about opportunity, it's having resources firstly. And we're really starting to see that sort of come about in our region now. You know, you just got to go down to Boys High after school hours on the out, on the outdoor tennis courts, and they've got what about? There's at least six hoops down there, and some some evenings it's just unbelievable. You're just watching, you know, the number of people, families, kids—they are all down there just having a run around. And if you're starting to look across our region, that's start that's popping up more and more. You know, you got the hoops down at the uh, Waikanae. A number of the schools now there's the hoops and hoops and schools programs and all of that that are taking off and we're seeing a lot of good quality hoops going around up the coast and and, and, and you know in town here as well. so that's just giving that opportunity. Uh, Sparks has talked about developing that bug for the game you know just loving it and I think that's kind of where we've all come in just once again it's providing those opportunities for for kids to learn how to play the game. And you know, big props to GBA. They're all they're, they're a bunch of volunteers doing their best, trying to provide as many opportunities as they can for our kids. And it's a it's a real tricky one because when you look around, it's just it's never enough, you know. So we're kind of in that space now. It's exciting. I talked about you know I think we're on the cusp of some greatness here, and it's just being in a in a space to be able to provide more and more opportunities for our kids because. I think they all really, there's a lot of kids that love the game, want to play it, they want to just play for fun, they want to just muck around, you know, it's, a, it's an awesome game where you can just have a shoot around with your mates and, and that, but there's also, there seems to be lots of, more and more opportunities for for kids who want to play organised ball, which is different, and it's about them wanting to test themselves and see what they're made of. Once I come back, coming back to the opportunity word, that's a space I think that as as a, as a community, you know, we can hopefully continue to grow and, and build on what's currently here.
1: There was a study done, and there's there's papers to prove that. <laughs> I didn't bring them today, but they built an indoor stadium in the area. The crime rate disappeared—literally
0: zero. Test me on it. It's true. It's out there. Straight Perfect. Up. Yeah, that's great. That's that's awesome yeah and like definitely noticeable boys high. i know when i've gone down there and done hockey training on the turf and we've had the turf and as soon as we've got off the turf it has just been like inundated with ballers like they're just like the whole turf is just covered and it's just awesome to see i know um sc- school sport nz put some stats out a little while back and like basketball is one of the fastest growing sports like they were putting on tournaments after tournaments just to to deal with the amount of teams coming through. And it's just, you know, you just need a ball and a couple of mates and you're playing a game. Mm. We, we tested something out this time. We went out online and uh, onto Facebook and asked our audience if they could come up with some questions for you guys as coaches. Thank you, Lara, for posting up three questions for us, which is great. One of them, and, and we just alluded to it before around that engaging kids and how we can get them active and stuff. But one of the questions that Lara put forward was, what are the key things you do as coaches to draw the best out of your players? Keenan, do you want to start that one off?
2: Yeah, I think first and foremost is to know your player. I think you draw out of your players based on who they are. I've just written down here four, four players that I've coached in the past that I would probably speak to differently. And coach differently based on their personalities. For example, I've I've got one here that probably won't take much to um to being i would lack like a bit of like yelled at or something like that, like softly spoken. So that's how I would try and get the best out of him. Would be softly spoken to him. Um, I've written one down a player here that won't take um, well to multiple feedback points. So just saying like one thing at a time and getting that. Him to try and complete that, and you're giving him another one. I've read one here that that you'd need to be more assertive with, like he needs that to be more yelled at, I guess. Then I've, I've I've read another one down here that probably um, can take multiple feedback at a, at a time. I can give him heaps of things to do, and and that's how the best to get get out of that player. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just go back to I think knowing who your players are and how you can and how they operate, and if you know them, you can probably get the best out of them, yeah. Definitely that's a winner. For me, I suppose, I'm more systems-based,
1: so therefore the structure there, you're hoping that people see their own improvement through training and they go, oh, I've got better at this. So you're trying to give them examples where they can see that they've got better, therefore then it's self-perpetuating because they're going, oh, I've put effort in and I have a reward. I'm more skillful. The more skill you have, the more fun you have. There's a lot of systems that hopefully there that show people that they're getting better in the competitions, you know, they're competing and finishing and scoring
0: and playing better. How do you show them? Is it video? Is it feedback? Like, how do they how do they themselves understand that they're getting better? It's a big hammer to the head. No, I don't show them anything. <laughs> Can um, I ask, ask question? Yeah. yeah. On your point on systems, do
2: you base your systems on the players you have in your team? So different team, would you do a different system? That's a very good question. No, but I'm probably not good
1: enough to do that. It was funny, like the time I learnt that, I was training a young fella and I, he was putting a shot into the hoop and he's counting his makes and his misses and I was watching him and he actually started getting it wrong and thought he got more than he did. So it's the kids get almost deluded in their own greatness suppose maybe we are all like that, but reality is the greatest teacher. We go away to regional competitions and stuff, and we get our bottoms smacked regularly. You know, and that's just the reality, because we're not that good. And we're sat in the van on the way home saying, oh, okay, what's what's our work-ons, you know, what are we going to do? Oh, I've got to get fitter. Choice, bro, yeah, you know. Unfortunately, I can't go up the hill with them, so when he they don't get fitter, well, that's reality. Is that
0: answer the question? It's a bit harsh, but <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: But that's that's, that's what happened. So
0: hockey, similar situation. We go away to Super Eight, we come eighth. Like I've talked to mm. Keenan many times. We come back from games and stuff, and sat down with him and chatted to him about it as well. I know winning is great, and I and I like at the end of the day, I'd love it if our team could win. But like you've got to look at those positives and those little things that can actually get them to that point of becoming better.
1: I've had that same chat. Mm. The quote that I used see if I can get it. Success is not based on results, but on effort. 100% effort is 100% success. So there's goal there. Do we get so caught up on the wins? And if you don't try or well, you don't put the effort and you're not going to get the win. There's great quotes about that as well. So, so therefore, we can transfer the winning to effort. And that's where we can learn so much
0: and do so much more. Focus on that process rather than the The outcomes or the the results. Yes. The results at the end of the day, yeah, it's the the process. And if you're following the process, things are going to happen from there. Isn't there a great song? Not
1: about the mountaintop, but the climb. (laughs) Can you sing it for us? Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'll chuck my two cents in. So, yeah, in that space as well, and I know we all do this as coaches, and it's around that whole goal setting, As an example, you know, as we're heading into, say, a big tournament, I like to sit down individually with each player. um, And it's all about them. I make them bring in a pen and a paper and just ask them, you know, like what is it you want to get out of this tournament? You know, what do you want to get better at? And we'll have a conversation about that and what that looks like. And I'll get them to write down a couple of things, usually two or three at the most. Um, And it's a good reference point. We're able to come back to that regularly during the tournament and just check in with them and say, "Hey, how are you going with your goals?" Is, is, you know where, where are we at? And, and, and it's kind of just really helpful, helps to keep them focused. Mm. And it takes away from the winning, which I think you know we all get, get kind of a bit kind of over over focused on that. And' it's, it's the other important part of that is it's that whole thing around not wanting them to feel failure, like they're a failure, but to be able for them to track and say, hey, yes, I set. I wanted to rebound more, you know, as that was my goal. How am I going? Yeah, I'm rebounding really well. You know, yes, we're getting our butts kicked, but individually I'm doing my job, I'm contributing to the team. So, you know, there's that whole you should feel good about that because you're getting better at the game. Mm. So that's kind of on an individual basis. Um, and as a on a team basis, I find hey, you've got to get creative sometimes. So this is just an example. Um, we went to a tournament not long ago, a few months ago, and as a team, we just weren't quite gelling. Ten boys, you know, in terms of how you go but in, in a basketball setting, you got your kind of your better players that you roll with, and then you've got some role players who kind of come in or come in during the game, and they might you know contribute something and serve a purpose in that way. And for this particular tournament it just wasn't clicking for us. So as you'd often do as a coach, sleepless night, trying to think of ways we could come together better as a team. And it was just a random kind of thought we came up with. Well, where we went, Okay, this isn't working, let's chuck it out. We're gonna we're gonna kinda set up two two separate teams. So we went two teams of five and got them to go away and and you guys had they'd come up with their own individual team names and we set some kind of well, with targets, I guess, or challenges. It was was like, okay, we're going to track these three things during the game. And at the end of the game, the team that gets the most points out of those three things, you know, you get chocolates. And the three things were, it was around effort stuff. So nothing to do with points. It was the team that got the most rebounds, that had the most transition fast breaks. So that's important because that's all about running hard. And then the team that got the most consecutive uh, three stops. So that's all about playing great defence, you know. Um, and so we counted those all up, put it into play. They had they, they built up their own kind of team culture within the overall team. And we went really well, which was great, you know. That was awesome. To the point where, at the end of the day, had a kid coming up saying, That's the best I've ever played, and that's the best team I've ever played with, Mm. you know. For me, that was a fantastic win, regardless of the results. Had he lost then, Adam? What's that? Had he lost in that game? No, we won by, like, ridiculous score, but, you know, it was just seeing, and they looked looked like they were having a blast out there, Mm. and it was all about their effort. They were running hard for each other, you know. That's what you want to get to, eh? Um, so yeah, the lesson there is Hey, would that would that kind of approach work for another team? Maybe, maybe not But the learning I took out of that is Hey, you've got to stay on your toes And you've got to get creative sometimes Because it's about, I guess, trying to create those situations Different for kids Uncomfortable, definitely Because that's about challenging them, eh? There's a couple of things in there One, how old were the kids? 13 to 15 even that
0: on the self-reflection around like coming away saying it's the best I've ever played and that's the most awesome team like having that is is definitely massive and then um obviously as a coach when things aren't going well how do we respond react and and actually change it up and like as you say like this think something completely different is there, is there anything else the two of you like Sparksy or Keenan that you've done in terms of something that hasn't been going well and you've had to reset change it up and how you've you know gone through that process for me i'm going to say weathering the storm
1: with them is is big you know to stand there on the court when we're all getting our bottom smacked is we're in this together not distancing myself from them and saying oh you guys all suck and you know listen i'm i'm there trying to help them right to the end
2: and we're in it together I guess as a coach Jeff to be adaptable I think you go into every game with a game plan and maybe that game doesn't turn out how you expected it to be, So just along the same lines of sparks, like weathering the storm together, but talking to your team, questioning like what are what, what's your guys' opinions now and like, mm. do you have any ideas on how we move forward, change it up. My plan I had might, um, is not working, you know, maybe as a coach you've got to be more vulnerable to that stuff and get feedback from your players and how can we change this up and and try it, try it out, and work together. Yeah, I remember going to national
1: tournaments and like these super duper teams like North Harbour. Their coaches would like the the groom would come back from a huddle and like the huddle time for us is like you know we've got so much to say and what what are we going to do you know like and the coaches would go away and let the team have time to themselves, and that just blew my mind, you know because was my time you know i need to tell you guys what to do but the coaches were trying to say hey you guys sort this out or what are your thoughts and then they'd come in later on and have a little chat with them get their feedback so keenan's got a good point there you know hey how what are we doing here what what can we do it's probably quite a big one maybe the players
2: on the court are seeing the game different to how you are on the sideline getting everyone's voices could be important to changing how the game's going
0: I think that's a great point. So for hockey, obviously I coach boys high and I play for Listen Old Boys and the boys always want me to play when we play against Listen Old Boys. They want me out on the field and it was honestly, like it was probably one of the coolest things I've done because when I was actually out there watching them play, it's cool seeing it in a different perspective mm-hmm. as well and like as a player, like it's it's hugely important I think because they're out there, they're living and breathing it out there and if they can see it all, giving them that opportunity to talk At the half time and the quarter time whatever is is a great concept to be able to give those kids that the power you know you're empowering them to be Mm. you know if we talk around our team culture if we talk around our environments and stuff like that and it's all about the athlete we're trying to be athlete-centered like why not give them that power back to them to say hey have a chat like let's see what's going on it just gives them a little bit more responsibility a a little bit more time to analyze the game or look at the game differently and you know you, you're growing leaders like aren't you like you you know better people we're always trying to grow leaders trying to make learn
1: yeah learning
0: nice another question that lara's come through was uh do you think that game stats should be shared openly with the team or kept between coaches now i know sparksy from little birdie told me that you're quite a stats man would
1: love to be yes yeah any comment on that question well, basketball is really good at that because it's got stats galore, hasn't it? It's got a whole table and stuff and apps and stuff we can do. I've I found the kids love it, probably for the wrong reasons, but they love to see, you know, oh, I've scored the most, but there's like an efficiency rating as well. So someone who may score a lot might not be, you know, might have done a lot of turnovers as well. I'm all about the rocks of reality. <laughs> Look at that stat chart and read and weep, baby. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Depends what you're using the stats for. Hey? Yeah, Just like what Sparks said, a lot of them will focus on points and that's not the only thing that impacts a game. I tried to shy away from the stats, but if I use them, it's for a reason. For example, I'll, I'll use the stats to show that someone's rebounded well and that's how they are impacting the game, just because they don't have as many points, they're still impacting the game. Maybe a point guard might... Do a lot of assists and hardly any turnovers, so they're impacting the game in that way. It just depends what you're using them for, yeah. really.
3: Yeah. Yeah, totally agree with the the boys. Yeah, there's some there's good stats you, you can share and, and stats you definitely want to steer away from. So, you know, as Sparks sort of touched on, oh and, and Keenan, you know, kids want to know how many points they've scored and, and as a coach couldn't care less. You know, so it's about trying to find those stats, where you can get the magic out of your team, and really promoting those, rebounding, defensive stops, uh, how many times you're sprinting in transition, you know. So count, literally counting those, and we've we've done that a number of times in different teams. You know, you kind of you place value on those. You you put prizes in place, and you say, hey, the team, the kids that have got the most rebounds, you're getting a chocolate bar who's run the most in in transition, here you go, here's a chocolate, all that kind of stuff, you know, and and trying to get them to focus on that stuff. It's a never-ending kind of challenge because the the kids always want to come back and know, hey, how many points did I score? But, yeah, it's a yes and a no Mm -hmm. in terms of sharing stats. If they're the good stats, like from a coach's perspective, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. As we've said, points, not so much. Depends on the age group as well, I would say. I don't think
2: you'd be taking stats at a primary school. If you are, I'd like to know why. Um but yeah, you could you can use them to benefit your coaching. Yeah.
0: They're definitely there to identify trends. Like within hockey, the only time we get to see stats is like if you're in the, you know, future black sticks or like those NZ eighteens and the twenty ones and then like up in the um obviously the black sticks, but they're definitely there to, you know, we can see where people are scoring goals the most, like in around that seven metre mark within the goalie. So now we train goalies to be able to um, have those skills to be able to defend those goal scoring shots from there. But yeah, it, it, it is a tricky one. I like, I, I just want to touch on something that you said, Adam, around that extrinsic motivation, around like, you know, chocolates for kids that are doing well and stuff like that. How do we look at the intrinsic ways of motivation? So actually them going out there to do it for the love of the game or for them just to get better. Can we work towards that a bit more or like what do you guys think about that?
2: I think that's the ultimate goal firstly is to create a player that loves the game because if they love the game, when they leave training, all they're thinking about is the game. So they want want to get off the game. This isn't a perfect world. Go shoot, go practice. They can't wait for the next training. They can't wait to play again. So I think yeah, that's a very good point. I just that's the first goal. I think you should have is getting a player to love where they're at, the game, their team, culture, all that kind of stuff.
1: Then the measuring, so they can see that they're getting better. So their love for the game, they've gone home, they've worked, and they've got better. So those go hand in hand. Do we need stats for that, or do we need like feedback? It's feedback. You know, like when I'm seeing the kids on a Sunday morning, I can say, well, someone's been training. And the beam of smile they give you saying, yes, you're right. And that to be noticed to have got better is pretty massive. It's a huge plus for them.
3: Yeah, I agree with that, Sparksy. Yeah, that's where feedback comes in, eh? Mm. And I'll, this this is probably kind of an example. Uh, a kid's come off the, the court. I've subbed them out. You, you're seeing he's frustrated out there. And, and maybe he's blaming the referee, you know, calls aren't going his way, he's playing hard, getting called for touch foul, say, as an example, and I've subbed this kid off. He stomps down the end of the bench, and, you know, he's brooding, unhappy. Just give him a minute, just get over it. And so what's the feedback in that situation, you know? What do we want for our kids in the end? Do we want them to be behaving like that? Hey, there's a lot of times... Things don't go your way. How do you respond to that? And it's having that conversation to say, hey, look, you're trying your hardest. It's fine. You're doing awesome. Yeah, you've made mistakes, but I don't care about mistakes. And that's probably a, that's probably just something I think we've all got in terms of our coaching philosophy. Mistakes are okay. It's how you respond to those mistakes that I'm more interested in. And that's what I'm looking for. You turn the ball over. I'm not going to sub you off for that. But if you hang your head, and, and you mope around and then they sprint down the court and score, I'll sub you off for that, you know what I mean? So it's it's trying to just give them that kind of feedback to say, hey, stay in the fight, you're doing well, keep your head up, don't get so frustrated trying to teach them that. Well, and how do you teach them that? You put them back in the game and, and, and see how they respond to that situation because it's going to come up again, you know? Another
1: example of, of of the measure, I suppose, is like I had one player – I remember it because the parent came to me and said, look, he he didn't get any game time or he didn't play as much as he should have, you know, and I felt bad as a coach and that was the level of where the player is but I had the joy of going back to that parent in probably a couple of years and saying, look at him now, he's starting five, he's solid. For that kid to be able to reflect on himself and say, look look how far I've come by the effort or whatever, that's that he's fought that battle and overcome so that that can be applied to
0: anything in your life. Hard times come, put in some effort. There's a question I've got here. Do you think it's best to provide feedback or let the athlete solve the problems by themselves? Both. I think if, I think you need to give them a chance to figure things out.
2: If they cannot, you can provide some feedback and just like Adam said,
3: put them back out there to see if they can work on it. Yeah, I, that for me, I like to just, I'll watch a kid I watch them all, and I like to just let them figure it out. You can see them tussling with that. It's not going right, but that's a big part of it, especially because I tend to coach the younger age groups a lot at the moment. So there's so much going on for them, and then do they need another voice in there kind of telling them what they're doing wrong? Probably not. So, yeah, definitely lean towards that. And if there is feedback, oh, sometimes you've got to bite your lip big time. Because you want to just unload and say, hey, you've got it, you're doing not doing this, not doing that, blah, 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 you know? Uh, so you've got to bite your lip and just sometimes just walk away and let it be. Eh? Mm.
0: What method would we use to help athletes solve the problems?
1: Well, I'm, I'm jumping in there because there's the moments when you're teaching technique, i.e. shooting, and you say, hey, you just should work on this and they adjust and they get it in. So the results are right there straight away. So that's a quick time frame, And then you're trying to make them aware of how badly they're missing when they haven't changed their techniques.
0: So when we let athletes solve their problems, we can tell them what they're doing, or we can actually guide them in terms of giving them questions to make them think about what's happening. Yes. Do you guys do that in any part of your feedback?
2: Yeah. So if they've if they've done something on the court and you can talk to them and say, What did you notice in that last yes. five minutes of you being on the court? You know? And they say, Oh, we did I did this. How can you change it or we'll do better? Or what would you change about that? You know, so they could solve the problems yes. themselves with asking the right questions.
1: And jumping in there as well, because it's half back to a point that you made that we learnt from you about letting them discover it themselves so when they're shooting i say well what felt wrong then and they'll go oh it was my follow-through and then i go yes hallelujah that journey is is the best because they're taking on board themselves i suppose in saying that you still got to have a bit of structure there to say well what is the right technique so you've got to establish that and then right well did that feel right no what was it oh it was this
2: and so they can go away and self self adjust. Just a line there, like you're not always going to be with those players. So if you yeah. give them the tools yes. to know what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, whether you're there or not, they can develop by themselves or with their friends, or wherever they wherever
3: they are. Yep. Yeah, the power of questions, eh? Hey, it's it's awesome, amazing tool, and, and something another strategy I've kind of throw in there from time to time is, is kind of like a deflection type method. So say, for example, you can see our team, they're all getting frustrated and it's affecting the team dynamic. You know, everyone's getting upset, things aren't going well. Am I going to gonna talk about that? No, I'd rather say, hey, uh, how many high fives have you given your teammate today? Yeah. You know, kind of just focus on that instead. You know, such and such just made a mistake. Did we go and give him a high five, lift them up? And, you know, just try and get the kids to think differently about a situation. And, and it's just trying to change their, their mindsets to by, through deflection. Just, say, oh, okay, I've got to be more positive. And so, just as an example, we, we kind of put that in. And then, you know, kids are just getting into more high fives, which was cool. And, and, and one kid in particular, I noticed, you know, in, early on in the tournament, he'd get down on himself when he made a mistake, which, you know, it, it kind of happens. Just by kind of taking focus away that, I you know, you still keep, keep an eye on all your kids. And, and by our last couple of games, he'd, he'd come up with his own kind of way of resetting, if you could call it that. He'd make a mistake, and he'd just clap his hands really hard. And he was doing it a lot. I was like, what's he up to? And it was his way of resetting, just say, like, yes, I stuffed up, clap, refocus straight away, do what he needed to do right there. And then, you know, whatever it was, just focus back on defense, go for a rebound or just, you know, just get back on, on as, as quickly as he could. That was awesome, you know, in terms of, I think, just seeing him develop that, his own way of kind of dealing with th- when things didn't go well. Nice. Love it.
0: Last question from Lara is, um, how do you manage players who want to play or train and improve but Farno can can't support them to get them to games and trainings without offending the whānau or seeming too pushy?
2: culture, like we talk about team culture, but part of the team is not just a player coach, managers, the whānau that support them. So even even that is part of all the culture. So maybe starting off the season, meeting parents as well and, and guardians, trying to build that community there. I'm fortunate enough that with the teams I've coached that uh, parent connection has been good. So if someone cannot make um, trainings, you know, there's usually – Some other player that can support them in that. There's also uh, with like finance stuff, a lot of support out there from uh, the school uh, where I've been at Boys High that provide that financial help. Um, But yeah. I think one of the blessings of Gisborne is
1: that possible, you know, like I would always take a few home with me after trainings and I don't think it was a huge financial outlay for petrol. You know, it was a good time to chinwag as well. Is that possible, you know, to say, hey, listen, I, I can pick you up? I mean, hmm. one player didn't make a game just the other day, you know, because he was out, out of town or out of the country. If he'd run half an hour earlier, I would have blatted out to get him.
2: If you offer that to them, you know. I remember growing up for boys' high trainings, I lived on Kite side. Frank, driving in from Wainui, would pick us up from Kite school, like for early morning trainings. For us, that couldn't couldn't get to the other side of town, he would pick us up. Sometimes he would drive right past us, he'd forget. But I guess it it just goes back to that knowing your athlete again and their circumstances and um, what ways you can support them, not just on the court
3: but off as well. Yeah, can't really add too much to that. Yeah, where where issues do come up, whatever they may be, the only thing that I try to do is just get on top of that stuff quickly, and I try and deal with it. And that's where that whole aroha kind of approach comes in, eh, guys? It's you're going going to that whānau and in, in a way where it's all about aroha. It's all about the kid. You might have to kind of raise some difficult issues, but I think as long as you're going in there and you've got those intentions, yeah, it might get it might get a little frosty, but that's just part of being a coach. You've got to just got to nut up. <laughs> I guess if there's a right way of putting it. And, and be up for those difficult conversations at times.
0: I suppose it's looking for that support as well. It's not just the responsibility of the coach; like the coach can reach out to the school, can reach out to the, the wider family, could even reach out to the association. I think it's like looking at what the support networks looks like. I know parents is another topic that comes up in our Voice of the Coach survey around challenges for coaches I I suppose the most important one is that we we need to understand parents as well like you mentioned like if if we talk around like we ask the athletes questions we could be asking parents questions as well we don't need to fix the parents we just need to work alongside the parents so I think you have to understand that um, what's going on within their lives as well and it may be like if it is that they can't get to these trainings there's obviously a valid reason or a reason for it how do we work around that how do we make it accessible for the kid to get to get to training the engagement piece i suppose like we engage with our youth so why not engage with parents and whanau as well mm. i think that's cool yeah all right we're almost we're winding down boys so we've only got a couple more questions how has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success
3: Oh, right, here we go so um i'll take take you back this is just an example Mao young tournament i was coaching girls under 17s and wasn't going very well from time to time, and this is my experience from coaching boys, and this is, you know, from previous previous to that, from time to time, um, I found, I don't know if this is a good thing or not, I found that it was sometimes useful just to kind of lose your rag a wee bit. And it was boys, it, as long as you don't do it all the time, you know, you got a reaction. And that's often why, why you do it, is just to see okay, uh, just need to get these kids to just snap out of it and just, did that with this girls team. They just were playing horrifically. So I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll try this. And we played worse, you know. And that was a big learning for me with girls. And, and I re- from that I went away, I was like, you know, what's going on? Um and, and that was me just really getting to understand, you know, girls think differently to boys. Boys get fun out of competing really hard, and it's not quite the same for girls. they got to be having fun to then want to compete hard. And so for me, that kind of I learned got to create a, a, an environment where they're just having a good time. Firstly, you know, you can't just go in and, and and just expect a reaction. And yeah, I think they all took it personally. Girls took it personal, thought I hated them, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like I said, so we didn't play play well. But from, from that failure, it, it really forced me to kind of look at myself and look at ways that I might go about coaching girls in a different way, because obviously. Coaching boys and girls, you can't do it the same. You know that's what I, I kind of learnt from that situation. It's still a work in progress, by the way, um, but that's something I've really taken on board. What's the great quote we learnt this year about the girls? That
1: was a big one for me. Girls play well when they feel good. Boys play well to feel good. Yep. Is that right?
2: I think you've butchered that. Thank you. That sweet <laughs> phrase there, <laughs> girls. Girls have to feel, feel good, good to play, play good. good. Boys have to play good to, to feel good to feel Yeah, good. yeah. I think no. that's the place that's to closest. Say it again. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> we can eat it there. You got to say because you start. You yeah, said yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking it up? How to go, boys? Oh, yeah, girls oh, have Wayne to Smith feel good I love to, to play good.
1: Boys play good to feel good. Is that it? And that that was that's huge for us. Like we we you know like and. Not being a female, but the girls—they—they they all like to have the same colored hair ties in their hair and stuff. And that, you know, and I used to look at that, a coach, and say, "What are you you're wasting time? We should be talking drills and tactics." But, and they'd all do their hair together and stuff. And that was them feeling good, you know, together. And that's magical with the females. You know, the boys would just beat each other up, and you know, you yeah. go and have a great game. So yeah, that was huge for us to learn, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, very much so. Here we go. This is the great Wayne Smith. He talked about men need to play well to be able to be happy and enjoy life, women need to be happy and enjoying life to be able to play well. Mm. So that just talks about a totally different approach. Hey, you've got to yeah. take, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, nice,
0: nice reflection.
1: I'm going to jump in there on the failure issue and just say every storm runs out of rain, it's deep. Deep sparks deep So we, you know, you 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 go away to tournaments and you take the losses, and it's it's not such a big deal, you know. Like it's not the be it on end all. So that threat of performance or results becomes nothing. It's just refreshing water on the ground now, rather than a hailstorm of underperformance.
0: As they say, the sun still comes up the next day, isn't it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. All right, boys, the finale. Big question. What does the value of sport
1: mean to you? When good men do nothing, evil prevails. Evil prevails when good men do nothing. Bad things occur when we sit and do nothing. Sport is my way of doing something. Like Keenan said, you know, like on a Friday when we're watching down at the YMCA and the kids are all having a great time blasting, you know, you ask that question, where would they be if they weren't there tonight? Maybe some would be at home, but
2: some would be out at the wrong homes. I was fortunate enough that people gave me opportunities growing up to play a sport. So that was one of the reasons why I took up coaching was I, th- I thought it was my time to do the same to the To the younger generation So that's one thing for me It's just providing Those opportunities If you're not going to do it Who else is Um, Yeah, Providing opportunities um, Just to to grow as people You know Not just as the player And the other thing Is just the experiences as well Like You'll look back on On your um, experiences Playing sport And you'll remember That stuff for life Um, Also the opportunities Like for me They're still coming now. Like I don't think I'd be in this job Without the experiences I've had and my sporting career and the people I've met has probably led me to being right here now. Like doing this podcast right now is probably because of the sport I've played and still gaining new experiences to this day, yeah.
1: Okay, so another moment is like, sorry, I'm jumping in no, here. go for it. Um, I do the occasional riffing and stuff. And when you have like 10 men and 10 on the sideline as well, and they're all just fully engaged and pumping. And, you know, we're talking big guys running up and down this court at 100%, and they're physically, you know, it's it, and I'm just running on the sidelines saying, hey, this is great. They're all having a blast, you know, and they're fully going 100 miles an hour. It's great. It's great. To, like, that's what Kenan says, the experience, that they're challenging themselves and hard at it. Bringing
2: people together. Yeah, you meet a lot of new people, you know, running the leagues and the coaching and all the people you met through there. Yeah. Yep. Also, sport is the time, and I think we've lost this because we get
1: focus on the W's. But sport is the time when you go, "Hey, I'm bringing my A game. I'm bringing all I've got to the table. How good are you? You know, you bring your A game. I'll bring my A game. And how, at the end of it, well, you were the better." You know well, and that's when you shake hands and say, "Well done," you know. And the other person who was better says, "Well, thank, thank you for coming because I've had a great time as well." You know, I may have won, but without you, I wouldn't have been. I would have been sitting at home. So there's the whole symbiotic relationship there. Of, and we we lose that. on I'm, I'm bringing my A game to the table. So sport, that's what sports
3: about, isn't it? Oh. This is probably getting a bit deeper, meaningful. I think we've kind of gone down that road anyway. Value of sport. I just think there's, you know, great lessons for life. A big word that kind of jumps out for me, and it gets thrown around a lot. Don't like using it, but it's around that resilience. You know, um, I think about my coaching these days, and I mean basketball coaching. It's such a technical sport. There's a lot you can focus on. There's a lot of different ways you can get things done. And I've kind of really tried to just peer back my technical coaching, try and make the game as simple as possible. And and, uh, it's kind of led me down a different pathway where I'm trying, with that in mind, really trying to just focus on the kids and trying to make them a lot more resilient. So timeouts in between quarters We spend a lot of time just talking about that kind of stuff, you know, things aren't going well, how are we responding to that? And it's it's really about that, just trying to get the kids to change their mindsets, I think, you know. Maybe it's just the age we're in, kids get down on themselves a lot, blame themselves when things aren't going well. We don't want them in that space. You know, we want them to be focused positively on, on on trying to have a good impact on the game, on their teammates and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, for me, that's where I've really tried to start changing and, and, and focusing my coaching is around that space. Couldn't give two stuffs how the game's going. Really focusing on how our kids are responding to tough situations um, and trying to, Promote kind of different ways of of reacting to that, you know. So that, that's kind of that's been a big learning for me, and a big change. Yeah, it's, it leads you down a path, very challenging at times, because as we've talked about already, you want to be hands on and really pushing stuff, but sometimes lessons don't come from that. You've just got to let stuff unfold, you know, and and be there to pick up the pieces after. That's all. That's life, though, eh? You know what I mean? And if there's anything, that's what I am want out. That's what I see as where sport is valuable because it's got, got those lessons for you that'll kind of carry you through life. I hope mm. so anyway. Beautiful. Nice.
0: Great place to end it. This chat has been, honestly, absolutely amazing. Like I've loved it. And this was a new thing I wanted to do. I wanted to bring three coaches into a room and just shoot the breeze and see what we can come up with. There was a a loose framework around it, but I think we went all over the place, which was nice. Touched on a lot of topics. But absolutely, Keenan, Sparksy, Adam, I loved our chat. I appreciate the time that you spend within sport, having guys like you, uh, just it's yeah, to the benefit of sport and Tairawhiti. So thank you so much for taking the time as well today to come and have a chat. I hope a lot of our coaches, parents, athletes can listen to it today um, or, yeah, forever. Like I've always said, this this isn't necessarily a podcast. It's a resource. It's for our community to be able to listen to and, and get ideas and, and hopefully something out of it. Appreciate your time. Namahi mihi nū nui. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah, cheers.
3: Cheers, bro.